We come to chapter 27, and in verse 1, again, hopefully you have your Bible, you're reading along with us, we're reading out of the New King James Version, so let's read verse 1 through verse 4. And it tells us, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here I am. We see here Isaac, he's getting older. His eyes are so dim that he could not see. So he calls Esau his older son and he says to him, My son. And Esau answered him, Here I am. Again, there's no glasses in this day and age. There's no four eyes or lens crafters or anything like that. There's no 1-800-CONTACTS. So Isaac, he's beginning to get older and older, and he can't see anymore. There's no cataract surgery. There's no LASIK eye surgery. So his eyes are beginning to defeat him and betray him, if you would. At this point, he's 137 years old, and Perhaps his mortality is coming more and more in view for him. Verse 2 through 4, it says, Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat that my soul may bless you before I die. Again, Isaac, he's 137 years old, so it's an understatement when he says, hey, I am old, right? He's been old for a while, being 137 years old. But the problem here with Isaac is that perhaps he's likening his own life to that of his brother. We know Ishmael, he died at 137 years old. So perhaps he's beginning to think, hey, at any moment I can die. At any moment I can pass away. This is the age my brother passed away. So what's the last thing that Isaac wants to do before he dies? It's not a great step of faith. It's not a great time with the Lord. It's not a retreat. It's not even a trip. It's a meal, right? He wants his last meal. And a part of that last meal, we know how much he loved venison. But apart from that last meal... He wanted to bless his son Esau. And now the sad thing here is that Isaac, he's really going to his feelings to drive his decision making. Isaac, he's not going to the Lord. He's not even going to the word of the Lord. Let's turn to Genesis 25. And in verse 23, we can and we should be reminded continually of, hey, what did God say? What was the last thing that God said? And in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, it tells us, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. This was God. This is what God had already told Rebecca and had already told Isaac before these two boys, before these twins were born. So why in the world would Esau want to disobey the Lord? 
right when he's about to die, right when he's about to pass away. In a sense, he's wanting to get one over the Lord, this man Isaac, right? He's wanting to get one on God before he dies, before he passes away. And this is a great reminder to his family that just because we get older doesn't mean we're becoming holier. Just because we're getting up there in age doesn't mean that now all of a sudden all my decisions are going to be super spiritual. Or even on my deathbed, then I'm going to make a ton of spiritual decisions and then I'm going to get right with the Lord and with all my family members. It's a walk. It's action that we must take. We're reminded that we need to work hard to enter into that rest with our Lord. So here, Isaac, he's 137 years old. He thinks he's going to die at any moment. And his only desire is to eat some more venison from his son Esau and to give Esau the blessing. Why did Isaac do this? Why would he want to disobey the Lord? We can be reminded, hopefully you're still there in Genesis 25. And now in verse 28, we're reminded of the fracture in this family that continued to rip out more and more and more. Verse 28, Genesis 25, it tells us, And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Again, this is so sad. These parents, they picked their favorite kids. And sadly, Isaac was just following the example of his father Abraham. That Abraham, he loved Ishmael. But Sarah, she loved Isaac. And there was a fracture there in the family because of that. So now what does Isaac do? He follows the example of his parents. And now he has his favorite and Rebecca has her favorite. But the saddest thing here is that Isaac's love for Esau was simply because of Esau's ability to please Isaac's flesh. Isaac loved Esau because of Esau's ability to please his flesh. And family, this is such a warning for us. This should be an alarm for us. Why do I love the people around me? Is it simply because they please my flesh? Why do I love certain hobbies or certain things? Is it simply because it pleases my flesh? Because then I'm in dangerous waters. I'm in dangerous territory. I'm reminded of Romans when I'm heaping up for myself things of the flesh. When I'm heaping up for myself these own little gods or these own little fleshly things to help me feel better. Right? It's so dangerous when we do that. But instead, Rebecca, she loved Isaac because he was the blessed one. But she should have still loved both of them. She should have still loved each of the kids because the Lord had appointed it to them as parents to have both of these special boys. But again, Isaac's so sad and it should be a warning to us that he loved Esau because of his ability to please his own flesh. The second part here that's so scary is that Isaac completely disregards Esau's spiritual state, or if we're honest, Esau's lack of a spiritual state, right? We started off, we read Genesis 26, 34, and 35 for context, and the last thing that Esau had done was marry a pagan wife. And not only did he marry one pagan wife, he married two pagan wives, and it was a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. They were grieved at their son's sin. They knew better, and he knew better. 
In the New American Standard Bible, verse 35 of Genesis 26, it says, And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah, that there was a bitterness in their spirit because of what Esau had done. Their spirit was hurting. It was bitter. It was sad at Esau's decision to marry these pagan women. And we need to be careful, family. Sometimes just because we love someone, and oftentimes it's our own family and our own friends, we can just disregard their sin. We can disregard the bitterness they cause our spirit. And we just say, hey, let's, let's ride or die, right? You're my blood, so that's all that matters. And this is so dangerous for Isaac and his relationship with his sons. And family, it's just as dangerous for us. Just because someone's blood, just because someone's our family, doesn't mean that now we have to ride or die with them. We should be riding or dying with Christ, with the Lord. And Isaac, he will continue to get into trouble throughout this chapter because he goes based upon his feelings. And guess what, family? His feelings betray him the whole entire chapter. Every time he goes based off a feeling, every time he goes based off an emotion, He's betrayed. Every time he's betrayed. But if he would only have trusted in his ears, right? If we would only trust in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit in hearing the word of God, there there's safety. There, there is truth. And this word, God's word, it's absolute truth. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to cut deep inside of us so we can even see Hey, why am I making this decision? Is it based upon prior hurt? Is it based upon my flesh? Or is it truly, truly based upon my spirit and my spiritual state and the spiritual state of my family? So again, Isaac, as he goes based upon his feelings, he's betrayed over and over and over again. We must seek to honor God in our decisions and not our feelings. It's not, hey, will this help me feel better? It's no, Lord, does this honor you? Lord, is this right by you? It's not, hey, is this right by my own feelings? Will this bring me more comfort? Will this help me sleep better at night? Will this make me more comfortable or just feel all warm and fuzzy? No, that's a bad way to live. We should be living based upon, Lord, does this honor you? Lord, does this bring you pleasure and honestly it would have been great if anyone in this family would have been living their lives based upon that hey lord does this honor you hey lord does this please you but sadly every single member in this family was going after their flesh every single member in this family was making decisions based upon their feelings based upon what they thought was right based upon what they thought was wrong instead of just trusting in the lord And that's the same danger for us. We can't go based upon what I feel or what I think. We must live our lives based upon the Lord. Again, this Genesis chapter 27, this is if someone would record your absolute worst day as a family, right? I don't know if you ever had one of those terrible days as a family. You just wake up and instead of waking up super early and having time to grind your coffee and preheat your mug and warm up your coffee and sit still and read your Bible, right? You tell Google to turn on the lights nice and dim and you're there reading your Bible for three hours. Then your kids wake up beautifully, right? They give you hugs and kisses. They ask you if you need another refill of your coffee, right? They say, hey, dad, hey, mom, just go read your Bibles. We'll go play by ourselves. Don't worry, right? 
It's not that type of day. It's probably more of our normal days, right? You're waking up late. You're super stressed out. You're freaking out. You got to get to work. Somebody else is waiting for you. Of course, that's right when the kids wake up. That's right when they do a deed in their pamper. And everybody's screaming at each other. Everybody's mad. Everybody's in their flesh. And then guess what? Somebody's live and in action recording your family's every move. That's what's happening here for Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Esau. They're all in their flesh. They're all making decisions and treating each other based upon their fear and emotion and feelings instead of, again, saying, hey, Lord, what do you have to say for my family? Hey, Lord, what do you have to say for my decision-making? Genesis 27, verse 5 through 7, now we look at Rebecca. It says, now Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, indeed, I heard your father speaking to Esau, your brother, saying, bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Again, no one in this family trusted each other. No one trusted each other. We see Isaac, he brings Esau, in a sense, in secret. He knew what he was doing was wrong, and he didn't say, hey, let's have a family meeting. This is my decision. He said, no, 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 hey, hey, Esau, come over here, right? And he talks to Esau by himself in shame because he knew what he was doing was wrong. But Rebecca knew she couldn't trust him. So what is Rebecca doing? She's listening through the tent, hearing every word of her husband's fleshly desires and fleshly motives. So again, no one in this family trusts one another. Perhaps this was an ongoing fight in their marriage. That Isaac was saying, no, Esau is my favorite and I'm going to bless him. And maybe Rebecca was constantly, if she was in her spirit saying, no, honey, this is what the Lord said. Or if she was in her flesh, she could say, no, Jacob is my favorite. He's going to be the one that's blessed, right? We don't know if that was an ongoing fight with them. But what we see here is that Rebecca believes that she needs to help God. Hey, Lord, I don't know if you recognize what the dummy my husband is, so let me help him out. Even though she's going to dishonor her husband, even though she's going to lie and cheat and conspire with his youngest son against him, again, lying to your 137-year-old blind husband. It's a bad way to go, right? He thinks he's on his deathbed, and we don't know if maybe he was just the super emotional guy. Oh, no, I'm going to die any moment, and now he's freaking out out of nowhere, and he thinks he's going to die. But the reminder to us here for Rebecca and for our lives is the ends do not justify the means. Just because we think that we're doing right by God, just because we think that we're being more righteous or more holy, we need to be very careful on our road or our path to getting there. Family, be reminded, God doesn't need my help. (laughs) He doesn't need my help. He is God. I'm not one of his angels. He is God. And often when we seek to help God out, Hey, God, let me hook you up, right? We learned Jesus is our brother, so let me hook a brother up. Let me help you out. Usually what happens is bad things, right? We go into sin. We go into deceit. We go into lying and cheating and just full-on blatant sin. And, hey, Lord, I'm doing this to bless you. I'm doing this to honor you. Family, we have to constantly be reminded 
He is God and we are not. Hey, Lord, my work right now is getting really low, but I want to tithe to you the same amount. So I'm just going to lie on my taxes, God, and I'm going to give you all the rest. No, God doesn't need your help, right? Oh, I'm going to buy this thing, and then I'm going to give it to so-and-so, but then I want it back, but then I'm going to give it to God. So I'm just going to write it as an expense off to me, even though it's not for me, right? We need to be careful when we think we're doing God a favor. Sometimes the greatest action of faith, sometimes the greatest action to bless God, it's to do nothing. It's to see all the chaos and madness happening and to sit down and pray and sit down and fast. And if the Lord calls you, maybe you speak the truth in love to that family member, but to stay quiet and to wait. Again, we don't know Rebecca and Isaac and their relationship after their engagement their engagement's beautiful it's amazing but after that we don't know what went down we don't know if maybe she was that leaky faucet that was always complaining to her husband and that's why now their relationship is broken and he's not going to his wife for this counsel the decisions we make the actions we make they need to be out of the lord and out of faith not out of fear Again, Rebecca thinks, oh no, my husband's going to blow it. This is what God promised. This is what God wanted. Oh, let me help God out. No, that was based on fear. If she had faith, if she was making decisions based on faith, it would be, wow, Lord, let me grab my popcorn. I want to see how you do this one, God. Right? I want to see the work you're going to do in Esau and the work you're going to do in Isaac. Because again, God is God. If God wanted to, maybe you're a hunter here and this is how you feel. Esau could have gone out to shoot a deer and all the deer could have vanished, right? All the deer could have disappeared and he would have never seen a single deer or a single herd if that's what God wanted. If God wanted it, maybe he brings him the stew and he starts choking on it, right? And then he spits it out and he curses Esau instead of blessing him. God could have done whatever he wanted to do. God could have given Isaac lockjaw right when the soup comes by and he can't do nothing about it. God is God and we're not. We really need to pray. Lord, am I making this decision out of fear? Or Lord, am I making this decision because I trust you so much? And because I'm honoring your word and what you've had for me. We'll be reminded in a moment of Sarah. And I think it would have been a great benefit to Rebecca if Sarah would have been alive during her timing. So that she could have seen, hey... How does my mother-in-law act when her husband makes boneheaded moves and boneheaded decisions? Verse 8, Genesis 27, she tells the son, right? She tells Jacob, hey, I'm listening to your dad and to your brother. Now verse 8, now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Now go to the flock and bring me from there Two choice kids of the goats. Again, kid, it's not like a human being. It's a little goat. That's the name for a little goat. And I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. So again, let's continue to focus on Rebecca and then we'll look at Jacob in a moment. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We've turned here a lot looking at the life of Sarah and the faith she made over and over and over again with her husband. 1 Peter chapter 3. We can turn to verse 6. And in verse 5 and 6, 1 Peter chapter 3, it tells us, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive 
to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any terror. Again, ladies, you got to just trust your husbands. If God is God, if he's all-knowing, if he's all-powerful, sometimes you need to trust your husbands when they make boneheaded decisions. Now, making a boneheaded decision is different than if he's abusing you or beating you or hurting you or your kids. Now, that's not biblical. That's not okay with the Lord. And you really need to pray, pray with someone, call someone, and make some active decisions to protect you and your children. But now if he's just spending money on dumb things, if he's wasting time on dumb things, you can't just end things with him. You can't go over his head and try to deceive him or lie to him because he's making boneheaded decisions. Again, for Sarah and for Abraham, not once but twice, Abraham said, hey, honey, I don't want to die. So, hey, you can go marry Pharaoh. Hey, you can go marry Abimelech. And I'll live, I'll survive, and I guess I'll see you on the other side, right? What a terrible husband, terrible decision making. But instead of going over his head, instead of lying, instead of deceiving him, she called him what? Lord. Hey, honey, you're the head of the home, just as Christ is the head of the church, so I submit to you. I don't think this is wise. I think you should really pray about this, but ultimately, I submit to you. This is biblically how wives should act. And it's difficult, it's hard, but if your husband has any sense of the spirit within him, when you hear your wife say, hey honey, I'm praying for you and I trust that you're gonna seek the Lord to make the best decision for our family, that makes a husband sort of freak out. At least it makes me freak out, right? Because in that same portion of scripture, there's a warning to husbands that if you don't love your wives and care for them, God, he's not gonna listen to your prayers. Again, men, be reminded who your father-in-law is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the entire universe. So now when we mess with our wives, when we do things to hurt them, when we're not loving them as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her, be careful, be aware. Be aware, husbands, that your own budget for your toys and hobbies has no budget. But now your wife asks you for one thing and you just freak out on her about money. We got to be careful with that and we tend to do that. Another scripture to be reminded of is Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. And Paul told the church in Galatia, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And family, we have to be careful. We can be making decisions in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, in the Spirit. And then all of a sudden... We can just say, hey, the only way I can do this is through my flesh. Hey, God, I see that you already gave Jacob the birthright, but maybe I got to help Jacob even more. Maybe I need to do it in my flesh. We need to continue in the spirit. We need to continue to pray and seek the Lord. If you're here in your life today, that's because of God. There could have been an accident. There could have been a rollover. You could have gotten some type of sickness. If you're alive today, it's because God has you alive. So now all of a sudden, are we going to freak out and say, hey, God, you need my help. I'm going to completely make my house airtight and not let a single thing in or out and 
put plastic wrap around the whole house because, God, you need my help. No. Be wise. Be kind. And hopefully you're being wise so you can help others. There's a great difference between being wise to help myself and being wise to help others. But that's another teaching. But for us to make sure we're going through the Spirit. We're not going based upon the flesh. Again, Rebecca thought she was being of spiritual help to her husband and to her family, but she brought about quite the opposite reaction and quite the opposite problems. At the end of the day, what happens? Jacob, he has to run for his life. Why? Because Esau, the way he says he's going to find comfort in the situation is by exacting revenge on his little brother. This is what happened as a result of Rebecca trying to help God out. Again, family, it's a big warning to us. It's a big be careful wives, be careful men, be careful kids that you're not trying to deceive and manipulate people for the kingdom of heaven. That's not the way it should go. Now, we look at Jacob. You see, Jacob here, he's not an 8-year-old, he's not a 12-year-old, he's not a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old or even a 50-year-old. Jacob at this point is 77 years old. He's pretty old for still being a mama's boy, right? And yet he obeys his mom. Instead of calling his mom out and saying, Mom, what is wrong with you? How are we going to lie to dad? He's blind. He can't see. And he's on his deathbed. Let's call a family meeting. Let's pray with each other. Let's be reminded of what God said. Mom, you got to submit to him. You got to love him. Just make him some stew. He loves your stew. He can't taste the difference. He doesn't know if it's venison or if it's goat. Mom, come on, you're not thinking clearly. But that's not what Jacob does. Jacob, he goes by his flesh. And we'll see here truly what Jacob is concerned about. In verse 11, Jacob says to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to him to be a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing." So what's Jacob's concerns? Two concerns. One, hey mom, I don't really think this is going to work. Hey mom, this is a great plan, but I don't think it's going to work. You see, I'm super smooth. I'm 77 years old. I'm not getting more hair. I'm getting less hair, right? I'm losing hair here. And there my brother Chewy, we know what he feels like, mom. We know what he looks like. And dad, even though he can't see me, the second he feels my baby face, he's going to know for certain this is not Esau. What's Jacob's second concern? Not that he is a deceiver or that he's going to deceive his dad. His concern is that he shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And family, I hope this is as convicting for you as it is for me. So often, what's our chief concern in life? I don't want to look that bad to other people. I know I'm really that bad. I know deep inside, this is really who I am. I know deep inside, I really want that sin. I really want to go party. I really want to go get drunk. I really want to be lazy. But I just don't want to come off as a drunkard or a partier or a lazy person, right? I want to do those things, but I want everybody else to still think that I'm holy and that I love the Lord and that I serve at church and I'm praying and I'm seeking the Lord. We have to be so careful with this. Again, Jacob is 77 years old and he still is concerned with what will other people think about me? Instead of saying, hey God, what do you think? Or not, hey God, what do you think? Hey God, what do you know? Again, that's the scary part. The judge over the whole world, 
the judge that's going to take all of the work we've ever done in our lifetime and look at it with eyes of fire that can see really what was going on, he sees the motives of our heart. He sees what's really going on. There's no mask. There's no lying to him. There's no excuses we can make. He knows. So instead of trying to put a facade, instead of trying to build a Trojan horse to lie to the Lord, what should we do? We can pray and say, hey, Lord, can you change me? Hey, Lord, can you change me from the inside out? Hey, Lord, can you renew my mind? That's what Jacob could have done. Hey, Lord, I'm tired of being known as the con man. I'm tired of being known as the liar and the deceiver. Lord, will you change me? And later on, we know that the Lord, he changes Jacob's name. Because that's the same desire that God has for each and every one of us. God wants to change you to his image more than you want to change into his image. But he loves us so much. He's such a gentleman. He's such a perfect dad that he doesn't force himself upon us. And that's where people get it twisted sometimes, right? Bad dads force their will upon their kids. Hey, dad, I don't want to be a baseball player. I hate that. I don't want to be a football player. But the dad says, no, this is what you're going to do because this is what I always wanted to do. This is what I want for your life. Dads, hopefully that's not you, right? And that's not the Lord for us. God, he has a will for us. He has a desire for us, but he doesn't just force it upon us. It's out there. It's that free gift that we can accept. It's that rest that he has made for us, but we need to work towards it. We need to ask him, hey, God, change me from the inside out. Hey, God, I want to read your word so I would renew my mind. So those bad images, those bad movies would be cleared out of my mind and I would only think of Scripture. Lord, so that, that gossip and those lies and that anger and resentment, Lord, that you'd wipe that from my mind and I would be renewed by you and by your word. That's what Jacob should have desired. Not desire to not be looked at or perceived as a deceiver. He should have desired for, Lord, change my heart. I'm not going to be a deceiver anymore. And again, we need to be careful, family. Lots of times, even within Christianity, hey, the ends justify the means. If it works, nothing's wrong with it, right? Pragmatism. It's a big word, right? Basically, if it works, nothing's wrong with it. That's so dangerous for us. Hey, yeah, I lied. I cheated. I stealed. But our family's better off. We're more healthy. The church is more healthy. No, that's dangerous. What we need to continually ask is, hey, Lord, does this honor you? Does this coincide with your word? That's what we should be asking. Not saying, hey, does this work or does the end justify the means? Verse 13, it says, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. You got to be careful whenever somebody says that. Hey, let that curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get them for me. Again, what does he do? He just goes. He got the two kids, the two goats. He brings them to his mom and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and she put them on Jacob, her younger son. And then she put the skins of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. 
what in the world did Esau look like, right? Again, the way that Jacob is able to lie to his dad, Rebekah's brilliant plan is we're going to take the skin of a goat. We're going to make the first scarf, right, or the first neck warmer. We're going to tie that hairy goat skin, that hairy goat hair, right, on your neck, and we're going to put it on the smooth parts of your hands. Again, the dude had to have looked like Chewbacca or something like that. But we continue. She gives him the food. She puts on this little costume. She puts the hair on him, right? It's like those kids that want to look like Superman, so they put on the fake six-pack and the fake muscles. That's basically what she's doing. Come here, Jacob. Let's play dress up, right? Let's dress you up like your brother Esau. So she puts on all the hair. She gets Esau's clothes. She puts it on him, right, the choicest of his clothes. She gives the food to him and says, all right, now go, again, lie to your blind 137-year-old father, right? Verse 18, what does he do? He goes to his father and he says, my father, right? Maybe he's trying to lie. My father, my father. And he says, here I am. Who are you, my son? Again, his ears knew better. Isaac's ears knew better, but what is going on here? Verse 19, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, right? Verse, first lie, I have done just as you told me. Second lie, please sit and eat of my game. Third lie, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Fourth lie, now he brings God into the picture And he uses really the Lord's name in vain. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Again, what a sad picture here. Jacob, he lies not once, but over and over and over again. And that's a warning to his family. Once we start that that train of deceit, there's no stopping until we just come out and say, hey, I lied, I cheated, hey, I'm wrong, and you got to let all the truth come out. There's no stopping it because then you have to lie to cover up the next lie to cover up the next lie, and then you forget, hey, what was the first lie again? Got to be careful living like that. There's so much more freedom and just being honest and being truthful, not hitting people over the head with the bat with your truthfulness, but being honest, being sincere, saying the truth in love. Jacob, he brings the Lord into the picture because the Lord your God brought it to me. Be careful when people blame God. God and Satan, they get blamed for everything, right? More often than not, it's our own doing. It's our own flesh, our own lust. He didn't say, hey, mom made me some goat because goat is way softer than any wild deer that's just slaughtered. No, he didn't say, hey, no, God did it, right? How in the world did you get that thing so quick? Was it sitting on the front porch, right? How did you do it? And he blames it on the Lord. But Isaac, maybe he still knows something's off, right? So he tells him, hey, come near and let me feel you. Because you don't sound like Esau. But there's no doubt you either feel like Esau or you don't feel like Esau, right? So then verse 22, so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And he said, the voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And then he said, are you really my son Esau? Right? One last chance for Jacob to get rid of that name, deceiver, liar, heel catcher. Another chance to be freed from the lies. Another chance to be freed from such a bad reputation. But what does he do? 
Yeah, it's me, Dad. It's Esau. Again, so sad, family. When the Lord gives us those ways out, man, take them. When somebody asks you a question and it's a chance for you to repent and come clean, take it, family. Take it. The enemy, again, fear and not faith in God and faith in God's word. Fear will cause you to close up and hold it in and say, no, I got to keep going through this. Right? Fear. What's going to happen if they find out the truth? Fear. What's going to happen if they really know what I've done? Fear. Are they going to get rid of me? Fear. Are they not going to love me anymore? Fear. Is this all going to be blown out instead of faith in God and in the word? I have faith. The Lord says, hey, it's better to be truthful than a liar. Hey, I have faith that God says he's not down with liars, that they're going to be in the lake of fire. Faith in trusting. Hey, God says, the word says, if I confess my sins, hey, he's going to forgive me. He's going to love me. That's, again, the difference between fear and faith. Faith Based decision-making and fear-based decision-making. Verse 25, he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. Right, again, I know if I could feel, feel that prickly beard or not, if it's really Esau or not. Verse 27, and he came near and he kissed him. Right? He had the goat's hair on his neck and he smelled his clothing and he blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Again, Esau, he was a man's man, right? Oh, yeah, my son Esau smells like that freshly cut grass, right? And lawnmower smell, right? That's who Esau was, right? I smell that little bit of rank and uh, deer guts and grass. Must be my son Esau, right? He was a man's man. Verse 28, therefore God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's son, right? Again, the separation here, the favoritism here. Let your mother's son bow down to you. And cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. Okay, two things here. Verse 29, he's praying the same blessing that God gave to Abraham. The same blessing that God had given to Isaac. And again, Isaac should have been reminded of, man, just the grace of God. Because Isaac wasn't the firstborn son. Ishmael was. But God, again, chose the path for Jesus Christ. And the path that God wanted was through Isaac, through Jacob, and further and further along. So he should have known better than to try to force his own will. That's the first thing from verse 29. The second thing, and it's so sad, this whole family is treating the blessing of God like if it's some sort of magical wand or some sort of magical lightsaber. Hey, I need dad to physically say these words because if not, it's not going to work, right? Unless dad says it, it's not going to stick. I know who God is. I know what God has done. But I need dad to say these physical words, right? Or... Isaac, he thinks, hey, I need to say these words to Esau because if I say it's going to stick, right? If I do, it's going to happen. And family, that's not the blessings of God. The blessings of God are from God. And he's alive. He's powerful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm reminded of the people of Israel, right? One of the pagan kings, he gets again. He says, hey, go breathe a bunch of curses upon those people. And the guy gets there. 
And it says he doesn't know what overtook him. And all he could say was blessings and blessings and blessings to the people of Israel. God is God and we're not. We need to trust in him. We need to be faithful to him and to his word. Verse 30. Now it happened. Right? Again, imagine this movie. Imagine being here in this family's home. Verse 30. Now it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob... And Jacob had scarcely gone out, right? I can't believe that actually worked. And he sort of sneaks out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting, right? The moment that Jacob sort of sneaks out, Esau's coming in with the deer, right? And he has it over his shoulder, a huge, right, 12-point buck that he brings in, verse 31. And then he also makes savory food, and he brought it to his father, And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. Again, family, it wasn't Isaac's blessing, and it wasn't the soul of Isaac that was going to bless Esau. It is the Lord that's going to bless us. Verse 32, and his father Isaac said to him, who are you? And he said, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. And now he knew his ears. His ears were not deceiving him. He knew his voice. He knew who it really was. And then verse 33, it says, Then Isaac trembled exceedingly, right? He starts freaking out to the point that he's shaking. The whole bed is shaking. Maybe he falls off the bed. He falls off the couch, out of his chair. And he said, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. And now here, perhaps Isaac is getting hit with the reality that God is God and I am not. That even though I tried to lie to God, even though I tried to sin against God, even though I tried to outsmart and outcheat God, God is God. Because in Hebrews 11, verse 20, it's one verse there, but it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob. And Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Isaac, he blessed Jacob. So in this moment, in verse 33, Isaac realizes God did this. And it is what it is. Indeed, he shall be blessed. And that even Isaac at this point realizes, man, I can't trick God. I can't outsmart God. God is God and I am not. Verse 34, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. This is such a sad picture and such a bad example as a father, right? A great opportunity for Isaac to be honest, to confess his sin to his son. Hey, son, I'm sorry. We were trying to lie and cheat God. We did wrong. But hey, if we repent, if we go out right now and make a sacrifice, I know that the Lord will forgive us of our sins. And Esau, he's there crying. He's pleading, bless me, bless me. But we know, and we'll see in a moment, Esau, he didn't care about the birthright. Esau, he didn't care about the blessing. All he cared about was the fiscal, right, the financial, the political gain that the blessing brought. He could care less about the blessing it brought from God spiritually. He could care less about the 
position of the priest of the home that the birthright brought. We know he gave up his birthright for a bowl of beans. And now all of a sudden, maybe he realizes what he's done. I really don't think he has. And now he's begging and pleading, bless me, bless me, bless me. Family, be careful. I'm always reminded of Samson. The Lord, he's gracious and he's merciful and he's gracious and he's merciful. But we don't know where the line is. There's some imaginary line. There's some spiritual line that God has set. And he says, hey, once you cross this line, you're going to taste completely of the fruit that you have sown. We got to be careful with that. Samson, he lied, he lied, he lied, he lied. He got up just like every other time. And it costed him everything. It costed him the deep relationship he had with God, the strength God had given him. All that he was known as and known for, it cost him dearly. And Esau, he didn't care about the blessing. He didn't care about the birthright for so many years. And now the moment it's gone, he starts freaking out. Verse 35, Isaac, what are you doing, right? Hey, it's your brother that's so deceitful that he's taken away your blessing. We read Genesis 25. This wasn't Esau's blessing. God himself said this blessing is going to be for Jacob. So Jacob, he stole his own blessing, right? Once again, Jacob didn't have to do that. Jacob could have waited and allowed the Lord to do what the Lord wanted to do. Again, the alternate dimension, the alternate reality. What would have happened if Jacob would have been loving and kind to his brother? Instead of stealing and conniving the birthright for the bowl of beans, what if he would have just blessed his brother with a bowl of beans? What if you would have just loved on him and cared for him? Could have there been a true friendship and brotherhood with them instead of this constant friction and destruction? What if Joseph wouldn't have told his brothers how they'd all be bowing down to him, right? Could there have been a sweet brotherhood, a sweet friendship? What would have happened with Moses if he wouldn't gone out and killed that Egyptian soldier and had just waited on the Lord? We don't know. But again, family, we should be concerned with our lives. Hey, am I making decisions right now that are going to lead to some bad repercussions? Am I doing some things that right now, if left unchecked, they're going to be very costly to me for no reason? Because God's blessings for you, God's promises for you, hey, they're for you. Right? We sung that song. That song's such a blessing. He is for you. Right? Walk in his will. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're his little brother, his little sister. You are a friend of God if you have this friendship and if you have this relationship with him. So trust in him. Walk with him. Verse 36, Esau, he's mad, he's bitter, he's angry, right? It's not a weeping of repentance. It's a weeping of anger and bitterness and resentment. Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. Now Esau, he takes part in the lies, right? He supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. That's a lie, right? He willingly offered it. He could care less about it for a bowl of beans, right? Now look, he has taken away my blessing. It wasn't his blessing. It was Jacob's blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, right? You just have one itty-bitty blessing still out there for me. Dad, bless me. 
Me also, O my father, and Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And family, again, we need to pray for discernment from the Lord. That's a spiritual gift that we should constantly be praying for. Be praying for your pastor, right? Be praying for your pastors that the Lord would give us wisdom and understanding and discernment. Because we can just see Esau's tears and say, Ay, pobrecito, right? He's been through so much. His mom never loved him. Pobrecito, he's been through all this stuff. Man, just give it to him. Just give it to him. But the discerner, right? God's word, how it cuts to the heart and it's able to discern really what's going on. Esau's tears were not tears of repentance. They were tears of frustration. Esau's tears, they weren't tears of wanting to bring the family together. They were tears of anger and resentment and really revenge that he wanted to seek out on his brother. The tears, they were tears of not getting what he wanted. He was throwing a hissy fit like a little kid. That's what he was doing. Hebrews chapter 12, we can turn there. We've looked at the scripture a lot when it comes to Esau and his life and the warning for us and our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse 14, it gives us an encouragement, right? An admonition. It gives us an exhortation, right? Verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That if you don't have peace with all people, if you don't have holiness, you're not going to see God. You're not going to have a right friendship and relationship with God when you're walking in sin, when you're walking by the flesh, when you're at peace with no one. Verse 15, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God and lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many, many become defiled. It's a warning to us. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. There's a warning to us, family. We shouldn't be looking to exact revenge on other people. We should be seeking to pursue peace. And in this day and age, the way you really sought repentance, it wasn't through tears. It was through sacrifice. We don't see Esau going outside and getting another animal and sacrificing it to the Lord, saying, Lord, I have sinned. Will you forgive me? No, he just did it through emotion. He just did it through his feelings. God, I'm right with you, right? I cried like crazy. I feel really bad about what happened. I'm sad I got caught. I'm sad I didn't get the blessing. If I would have lived the same life and got the blessing, hey, I wouldn't have cared. But now that I didn't get my blessing, I'm mad and I'm sad and I want to cry. That's who Esau is right now. And it's not that the Lord didn't allow him to repent. It's that Esau's heart really was not to repent. Scriptures that we need to be reminded of. Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. The Lord is near to those that have a true heart of repentance, a broken heart. Lord, how could I have done this to you? A contrite spirit, a spirit of humility. You know what, Dad? He does deserve the blessing. I've been a terrible older brother. I've picked on him. I've beat him up, right? I've messed with him my whole lives. Psalm 51, verse 17. Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. 
Family, God's word, it stands true. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Esau truly had a broken and contrite heart, it tells us God will not despise that. But Esau, he wasn't really repentant. Esau was weeping because he lost the physical blessing. He could care less about the spiritual blessing. He wanted the political blessing. He wanted the power blessing. He wanted to have twice as much as any other kid that would be born after him and Jacob when his dad passed away. That's why Esau was crying because Esau lost out on the physical blessings. Family, what brings you more pain? Missing out on the physical blessings or missing out on the spiritual blessings? That's a huge denominator, right? That's a great scale to see, Lord, am I growing with you more and more spiritually? Or, Lord, am I just a carnal Christian? Because the thing that I'm crying about right now the most is the physical blessings that I want so bad. We can still have all the spiritual blessings, right? More than ever today, we have more free time to inherit and to gather more spiritual blessings. We've been talking about that, right? You can have your own online Bible college. Every church almost, it seems like, right, has online Bible studies now. Ken Graves, every single night he's going through the book of John. All the different Calvary pastors every week, some of them every single day, they're putting out Bible content. We can be growing in our walk and relationship with the Lord. Verse 39 and 40, Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth, And the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Again, one day Esau, he'll be broken from this bondage of his relationship with his brother and their friction. But the day that bondage is broken is when Esau loves on him. Is when Esau falls upon him and is crying and weeping and kissing his neck and saying, man, I'm sorry, I love you. I'm, man, you're, you're married, you have kids. This is amazing. No, I'll go before you. Pick whatever you want. That's when that yoke of bondage is broken. Family, the same is true for us. The way we break those bonds, it's not by more revenge or more bitterness or more anger. It's forgiveness. It's love. That's the way we break that bondage. Verse 41 So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother. Family, we need to be careful. Sometimes people are blessed because of them honoring the Lord. Again, for homework, read Psalm 1. There's a ton of blessings there for honoring the Lord there. And now people can just see the blessings another person has and they can get jealous. They can get bitter. They can get angry and say, hey, I deserve all those blessings. But they don't realize all the hard work that went into those blessings. They don't realize the faithfulness that they've had to God over the years for those blessings. And now instead of joining up and having a friendship so that now you can inherit the blessings. You're just going to keep doing the wrong things to try to inherit the blessings. It's not going to work. So what does Esau want to do? Now he wants to kill his brother. He says, hey, my dad's about to die. My dad thinks he's about to die. Little do they both know it's another 43 years, right, before Isaac passes away. And he says, hey, once my dad dies, once I finish my time of mourning, I'm going to kill my brother. And that's the way that I will be at peace, right? Verse 42, and the words of Esau, 
her older son were told to Rebecca. This lady, she has spies everywhere. She hears everything that's going on in the family. And she hears it. And so she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Family, this is the wrong way to comfort yourself. Revenge, that's what comforts me. Killing, bitterness, anger, violence. We got to be careful when this is how we comfort ourselves, right? How do I comfort myself? Oh, a super violent video game or a movie, right? Got to be careful when that's what brings us comfort. Verse 43, now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of both in one day? So again, Rebecca, she sees the anger that is in Esau. He knows Esau is not going to stop until she kills Jacob. She knows that Jacob, he likes to hang out in the house, hang out with mommy. And Esau, he goes outside and kills animals with his bare hands, right? He knows it's not going to work. So she says, hey, go run away, run to Laban, and I'll call you in a few days. And then you can come back and everything's going to be okay. The sad thing again is Rebecca did not realize, she didn't know that in her trying to help God out, she would never see her favorite son ever again. The last moments that she spent with her favorite son was to lie and deceive and cheat her husband, his dad, an old 137-year-old man that is blind and all his feelings are gone. These were the last moments that she would spend with her son. Again, family, we don't know what our sin is going to cost us. We need to be careful. She thinks she's helping God out and she's going to really lose everything. She's going to lose everything she loved by acting on her flesh and on her fear instead of acting in faith and through the Spirit. Verse 46, right, where did Jacob get this conniving from? Verse 46, Rebecca tells Isaac, hey, I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth like these, who are the daughters of the land? What good will my life be to me? Basically what she's saying, hey, do you remember at the end of chapter 26? She didn't say that, but hey, our other son has married two pagan wives. What good is it to us and to our family, to our heritage, if now Jacob marries a pagan wife? Hey, honey, I have a great idea. Let's go send him away to my brother and he can spend time there and marry a good woman that is from the body of believers. But Rebecca, she's again, she's stealing, she's conniving, she's lying to her husband to get what she wants. So family, this is a tough chapter for me to get through. There's a lot of people doing a lot of wrong things, right? A lot of people doing things that we should not be doing as believers. But throughout my life, I've learned a lot of our decision-making, a lot of what we learn in life, it's not just learning by people's good examples, but it's also by learning by people's bad examples. Saying, hey, that person is doing X, Y, or Z, and I'm never going to do that. And that's what we need to do. Whether you're the father, whether you're the son, the daughter, the mom, whoever you are in the family, there's a whole lot for us for, hey, how should my family not look like, right? Shouldn't be any favoritism. Shouldn't be mom versus dad. Kids getting one parent to side with them to go attack the other parent. Me making decisions out of fear or out of my flesh. No family. Let's seek the Lord. Let's seek the Spirit. Let's seek to live by faith and not by sight.